Bom bom bits, a bowl full of chips. Bom bom bits, with Chappy and Pip. Bom bom bits, two young brothers. Bom bom bits, talking college football. Bom bom bits, and life and humor. And some funny ass clips. So relax and unwind with a bowl full of chips. This crowd grow. I swear y'all don't know what you mean to me. It's been something to see. I remember when we started this week long party. And to think that it's over, it makes me want to spring break down. Just think about all our good times together. One, two, three. Well, it kind of fits. I mean, Miami did have a Michael Jackson on their team last year and a Tito <laughs> uh, to boot. So let's get excited for some ACC football, people. That's right. It's the ACC Spring Football Report on a bowl full of chips on this Memorial Day weekend. And what a better memory uh, than or what better memory do Clemson fans have than beating the mighty Alabama Crimson Tide by 28 points in the college football playoff national championship, Biff, huh? Yeah, yeah, rub it in, Chappie. And for those of you who don't remember, Chappie picked the Tigers outright in the game last year. Well, I well, foolishly I said that <laughs> Bama would win comfortably <laughs> at that. So, but outside of that, um, the wife and I took the kids to a Memorial Day parade, and one of the high school marching bands performed. And as they walked by, the sound of the brass instruments and the bang of the drums really got me excited for the the music and the pageantry of college football, Chappie. Yes, sir. And uh, if if my memory is correct, it actually was kind of nice weather on this Memorial Day. In the past, it's been like 90 degrees, uh, you know, hot and humid. Maybe not mm-hmm. that hot, but it seemed that hot. I know that I'm not a big parade person. So when I'm sitting on um, or when I'm standing because there's nowhere to sit and the heat is re-radiating off the pavement and I've got kids who are asking for you know, every bit of food under the sun. And I just want to go because I don't want to be there in the first place. It seems like it's 90 to hundred degrees, but uh, it was actually pretty good weather this year, Bip. Yep. Yep. Can't complain. So getting back to the ACC, the question immediately comes, does Clemson have what it takes to repeat and stay on top of the college football world? Or is there a snake in the grass lurking throughout the tall grasses of the Florida, the Carolinas and the wetlands of the Northeast? Well, we'll give you all those answers and more here on A Bowl Full of Chips, your podcast coverage for all things college football. We continue to dive through the Power Five and promise to bring you what we see as the most pertinent info, well-researched and thought-out insight, and confident claims backed up by analytics and experience. And while we know you'll be getting what you want, we ask that you help us bring that to others by hitting that share button on your device and text, tweet, or email our link to those that love college football just like you do. We encourage interaction on Twitter as well. I am at champion underscore lit. And I am at BFC Bip. You can also visit our show's page at Bowlful of Chips on Twitter. 
And where and, and you can visit our website for a growing number of resources and bits of information, including lists, rankings, and previews. You can also find links to our previous podcasts and our email address, which is bowlfullofchips at gmail.com. So if you go to one of our Twitter pages, you'll find the link. But if you go to at bowlfullofchips on Twitter, you'll definitely find the link to the website. That'll take you to the previous podcast that you can listen to, as well as other information uh, that you're going to want to see before the 2019 season kicks off. So uh, our topic for today, we've gone through three Power Five conferences. We've hit the SEC, we've hit the Big Ten, and we hit the Big 12 last week. And this week, Bipster and I are going to hit the ACC spring reports. Now, remember, these are the reports from these teams during the 15-day spring sessions for each of the programs. They may not include some of the names of the regulars that you know will be there, either because it was business as usual for those players or because they were held out with comfort for precautionary reasons. What we report to you in this podcast is the information that should jump out to the college football fan, whether it be exciting or alarming, and to better prepare you for what we expect as we head into the official 2019 season. So, Bip, I'm going to go ahead and kick it off uh, on the ACC Coastal side and go out to Blacksburg, Virginia, enter Sandman, and we're going to take a look at the Virginia Tech Hokies. So, first thing that I figured out from this spring is there's a lot more chemistry on this team. That clearly was missing on last year's squad out in uh, Lane Stadium and beyond. So, um, in fact, head coach Justin Fuente said that's a big difference between this year and last year is that chemistry. So that's certainly a positive note. Starting with the offensive side, quarterback Ryan Willis, though not officially named the starter, seems to be the guy. Uh, While Hendon Hooker is a good athlete behind him and Quincy Patterson is a bigger guy at 6'5", 235, Uh, Maybe those two guys can be used in goal line or wildcat type situations, but it appears as though Ryan Willis is going to be the guy um, leading the Hokies on offense this season. In the backfield, though Deshaun McLeese did flirt with the transfer portal, he appears to be the number one running back going into the fall with Jalen Holston right on his heels. Wide receiver Phil Patterson stepped up this spring, and Trey Turner looks to be their big play guy as he had a 62-yard touchdown catch and run. Um, He's going to be the, the... Playmaker on offense, it seems to be, for for the Hokies. Complementing wide receiver Daryl Hazleton and teaming with Hezekiah Grimsley, making one of the better wide receiver groups, or at least one of the better starting wide receiver groups in that coastal division. The big name that uh, really caught a lot of buzz and turned a lot of heads is tight end James Mitchell. Quarterback Ryan Willis says, quote, this kid's going to be special, combining size and speed at tight end. He'll be a good complement to uh, previous starter Dalton Keene. On the offensive line, the big question had, and controversy really has centered around junior transfer uh, Brock Hoffman, who is a center slash guard. He came over from Coastal Carolina. Now, the reason he transferred to Virginia Tech is because his mom recently um, was in some pretty bad medical shape. And so he transferred to be closer to home. And unfortunately, uh, the NCAA is very inconsistent with this sort of thing this offseason. They denied his immediate eligibility waiver because he's five miles outside of the 100-mile radius you need to be in to transfer and play right away. So because he was 105 miles away from uh, where his home was, the NCAA said, nah, we think it might be something uh, you know that's not needing for immediate uh, eligibility. But if you've seen the photos on Twitter, his mom is in pretty bad shape. The evidence is there. So come on, NCAA, let's let's do something right for a change. Yeah. And, uh, by the way, and I'm how, sorry, go ahead. How far away is Ohio State from Georgia? And how far away is Miami from Las Vegas, Chappie? Thank you. Yep. So he should have he should have said that he was going to switch positions and play quarterback. And then once he yeah. got into the into the fall, go back to the offensive line. So that seemed like it would have worked for him. Or, or, Although, or create a fake recruiting profile and say that he was a former four or five star. 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Well, he didn't transfer to the SEC, so it wouldn't matter. Right. <laughs> um, although, you know, the, the positive is his attorney is Tom Mars, the same guy that did get Tate Martell okay. and Justin Fields eligible to play this year. And I heard on other podcasts that Mars is has a perfect record when appealing the NCAA. So basically, he's either that much of a... Uh, you know, a copperhead or, or he's really that good to where the NCAA just says, we're not going to go up against this guy. So, yeah. you know, hopefully for Hoffman and his family, he can be eligible this year. Again, it's not a situation where he was beat out. It's a fact that, I mean, like I said, the visual evidence is there that uh, he needed to be close to home. And sure. really you're going to, you're going to, I know that you have to draw a line and, and put a number somewhere, but five miles, I mean, there should be maybe some sort of clause that says it's a hundred miles, but you know, we'll, we'll cut you some slack within 10 to 20 miles if you, you know, meet X, Y conditions. So, right. Um, so getting back to Hoffman, he's likely going to play center if he's eligible this year and move Zachariah Hoyt to right guard. Um, but Austin Cannon also t- saw time with the number ones at that spot on the offensive line. So that's the offense. Biff, any questions or thoughts before we get to defense? Um, I was just going to say, uh, glad to hear that. It sounds like Willis is in the driver's seat for the starting quarterback, uh, position as I really enjoyed watching him last year coming as a, a transfer from Kansas. I thought, Ooh, a transfer from Kansas quarterback. Right. How good could this guy be? But he's and big, he didn't he's transfer mobile. to Rutgers. <laughs> <You're right. laughs> he's big, he's mobile. He's got a good arm. And I think he could make uh, some good things happen on offense this year for the Hokies. Yeah. And, and I really like him because he's, he's kind of got that chip on his shoulder. He's got a lot of moxie and he's out to prove everybody that, you know, he does belong and he's not that quote unquote Kansas transfer guy. So, mm-hmm. um, all right, well, getting over to the defensive side. Defense was physical and set the tone this spring, as you should expect from a Bud Foster coached unit. Uh, they stopped the offense on three consecutive red zone trips to start the spring game, which is always a good sign to see from your stop squad. Simply put, this D will be good, and Bud Foster's name will jump back into prominence for that side of the ball. Up front, junior college transfer Deshaun Dayday Crawford was added to the lineup, and he looked good, according to reports. He shows quickness and gave the offensive line a lot of trouble this spring. Fellow defensive tackle Jared Hewitt um, is labeled as strong in all caps and bold and a good leader up front. So he teamed with Crawford on that starting front and should create havoc for opposing offensive linemen in the ACC. At linebacker, Dax Hollyfield is one of my favorite players to watch. He's continued to look good at outside linebacker, and he and Richard Ashby will form one of the better tandems in the ACC, I think. that In the secondary, they're strong as well with safety's divine Diablo, which I believe translates to the Holy Devil. Um, Interesting name. Um, And Reggie Floyd, another safety, both of them uh, team up and will play well, especially in that role that they have to play where they have to fill the alley. There's also talented freshman uh, J.R. Walker, who Bud Foster says is going to be special, and backup whip linebacker slash safety. So that's another one of those hybrid safety linebacker guys. Chamari Connor turned in one of the better spring performances of anybody on that defense. Um, So a lot of positives. Unfortunately, the same cannot be said for cornerbacks Terrell Farley and Bryce Watch, who each got beat, um, you know, a few times throughout the spring, especially in the spring game. So that's a little bit of a concern. And coaches say that they won't hesitate to turn to the depth if the job is not done by those top two. So they're going to get the first crack at that corner spot. uh, But look to junior college transfer Brian Murphy to step in and and throw his name in the ring and and really push for, for playing time there. Chappie, you, you took the words right from my mouth of uh, about Ashby and Hollifield. I think that they're going to cause a lot of havoc in that uh, amongst uh, ACC offenses this year. And this should hopefully, for Bud Foster's sake, be a bounce back year for that Hokie defense. Yep. And and I think we can expect that. Usually that's what you see when when a uh, a defense that's historically good has a down year. Mm-hmm. Usually right right from the get-go, the, the following season, they, they come right back. 
And I think, especially with Bud Foster's pedigree, um, with what he's done, uh, expect nothing but better things from from the Hokies. So let's go sure. over to the uh, Atlantic. Bip, start us off with your first team. Well, we'll start off with those uh, national champion Clemson Tigers, Chappie. And from the spring game, Clemson looks like they have a, a quarterback that should get the that should give the entire ACC cause for concern. And really? his name isn't Trevor Lawrence. Chase Bryce actually started off really quickly in the spring game, leading his team 95 yards down the field, uh, which ended in a touchdown. Uh, Bryce was said to have, uh, by some people's accounts, outplayed Lawrence in the spring game. Now, obviously, you don't want to take too much stock into that because we know Trevor Lawrence is going to be Trevor Lawrence. But Bryce looks like he gives the the Tigers a, a great number two option um, should uh, injury befell uh lawrence this year as it did for that uh that game last year so um, Bip, we're gonna pause for just a minute to let clemson fans let their heart go back into regular rhythm because uh any mention of trevor lawrence going down is, is certainly going to put them in cardiac arrest <laughs> <laughs> right so uh and stop me if you've heard this before clemson has some very talented skill position freshmen that are looking to make an impact early in their careers um <laughs> set of five-star um wide receivers frank ladson and joe nada uh, Coach Dabo Swinney noted that they are two of the most ready guys that he's ever had. Yeah. So each each receiver went for over 100 yards in the spring game, and this really makes things unfair for any defensive backfield in the country when you pair them with uh, everyone that Clemson already had coming back. So uh, something to look out for there. Um, potentially adding to the mix is one of last year's highly talent, talented freshmen as well, uh, um, Darian Kendrick, who has lined up at wide receiver, defensive back, return kicks, and told coaches to use him however they see fit to help the team. So not only is he an extremely talented and gifted um, individual, but he's got that attitude that coaches love to have. Um, and rounding out the offense, sophomore tight end Braden Gall- or, uh, yeah, Braden Galloway showed that he could be a weapon for the passing attack as well as he hauled in four passes for 33 yards and a touchdown. But unfortunately, he has been ruled ineligible for the entire 2019 season due to that uh, positive ban uh, substance that he tested for in going into the playoffs last year. So his eligibility is still kind of up in the air in regards to if the Tigers make the playoffs again. But um, uh, recent word says that he's not going to be available in the regular season at all for them, Chappie. Yeah, I was about to uh, do like Snooky and, and throw throw a butt right at you. Um, you started talking <laughs> about that, and I was like, wait a minute, we just talked about this guy. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And, you know... I, I remember back about a month ago when Amari Rogers went down with an ACL injury and Twitter was kind of blown up among Clemson fans like, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? You know, is Clemson going to be the same? And Joe Nada and Frank Ladson completely put that to rest in that spring game. Um, and, uh, you know, you mentioned Kendrick, but DeAndre Overton's another guy that uh, that they bring back who, um, you know, got a little bit of a cup of coffee last year. But, you know, he's a I think he's a four star guy as well. So they're going to be set on the outside. Um, and I wouldn't put it past them to maybe take um, someone on defense, one of those highly touted, um, you know, corners to maybe run a couple routes on the offensive side too, if they need to, if, if injuries uh, persist. So their right. offense will be just fine. But yeah, I have to assume so as well. So moving over to the defensive side of the ball, early and early cornerback Sheridan Jones impressed as he looked physical and both, uh, he caused both a fumble, um, recovered that fumble. He picked off a pass, and he returned that one for 42 yards, in addition to having seven tackles, one of those uh, being for a loss. So he turned some heads um, from the cornerback position. 
Another early enrollee, defensive tackle Tyler Davis, also turned heads in the spring, and he's expected to receive a good amount of snaps as a freshman, which is, as we know, is going to be very vital that Clemson has some guys to step in as they lose their top five along that defensive line. Um, and while the, st- the secondary kind of struggled, uh, this could be one of the best secondaries in recent Clemson history. They return three starters, and they get Andrew Booth and uh, Sheridan Jones and uh, a few others as uh, some young, talented depth to round out that position group. So if there's really a bad note about this Tigers team, it was their special teams. Inconsistencies plagued them, uh, both kicking and punting throughout the spring. And though they're ex- they're not really expected to be in many close games this year, you have to wonder how the special teams shape up by the time fall rolls around. Um, and that'll be something important to take note of, as we saw with Alabama in the playoffs last year, that if you don't have your special teams in order by the time uh, December or January rolls around, it could come back to bite you in the butt. Yeah, and, you know, their punter, Will Spires, I think is going to be, you know, good enough to help them out. I mean, not that it's going to matter because their defense is probably going to play lights out anyway under Brent Venables. Amari Rogers was a great punt returner last year. Obviously, you know, we talked about how he went down. And if I'm um, if I'm Dabo Swinney and I've got that offense, I'm not going to kick a field goal in a crunch time situation. I'm going to put the trust in my five-star quarterback, Trevor Lawrence, mm-hmm. my uh, Heisman candidate running back, Travis Etienne, and my other Heisman candidate wide receivers, T. Higgins, and you know five-star freshman, Joe Nada, Frank Ladson, uh, not to mention Justin Ross, the hero of the national championship game last nope. year. No need for a place kicker bip, so I think they'll be okay. <laughs> Well, Chappie, let's kick it back over to your side. Who do you got going next? Well, we're going to go with the Miami Hurricanes, but real quick, I want to give a, a shout out to our Central Michigan Chippewa baseball team who made the NCAA tournament for the first time in a long time, and they draw the Miami Hurricanes this weekend in the um, in the first regional. So good luck to the Chippewas. Sorry, Hurricane fans. Fire up chips. Fire up chips. But let's get to the football squad. And so Miami um, brought in new coach Manny Diaz and really didn't bring him in. They promoted him from within, from defensive coordinator. And he did a smart thing and brought in two of the higher regarded coordinators in the country in Dan Enos from Alabama on offense and Blake Baker on defense from Louisiana Tech. So the big watch in Coral Gables this spring was behind center, but Enos assures that no quarterback will be named the starter until the fall. Tate Martell, the transfer from Ohio State, didn't start out well in the spring, but seemed to close the gap on experienced incumbent Nicosi Perry, who has a cannon of an arm but lacks some touch, and also Jaron Williams, who many in uh, Miami circles think may be the most talented quarterback on that roster. So we'll see if Martell is actually as legit as the hype suggests or if he's just a walking publicity magnet. Um, In the backfield, DJ Dallas was running well, and Cameron Harris also turn some heads and really the coaches say that Harris has made the biggest leap of anyone on the team this spring. So that'll be a good competition in the backfield. Dallas is more of that, um, you know, runs well in space guy. He's not so much your home run hitter between the tackles. I think that's where Harris, who's a little bit bulkier is going to give them uh, a better shot uh, in the run game at wide receiver, Buffalo transfer KJ Osborne has been a great addition at wide receiver, hitting on a lot of explosive deep plays Sophomore D. Wiggins showed some NFL potential as a deep threat and a guy who can find space downfield and on end arounds uh, and jet sweeps. In addition, freshman early enrollee Jeremiah Payton will play this year and could be one of their top four or five pass catchers when all said and done. At tight end, we know that they've got rising star Brevin Jordan, but they also got a, a, a huge contribution from tight end Will Mallory this spring and is going to give the Canes a good multi-option at tight end. So maybe one of the better tandems in the ACC, maybe even one of the better tight end tandems in the country. 
Mallory had three receptions for 63 yards in the spring game, including a touchdown. And coaches have said great things about his development this offseason. So perhaps Iowa can take a year off from that tight end factory and maybe it can go to uh, the U. Um, at offensive line, they're still a work in progress. So this offense has got a big question mark, and it all starts with the five guys up front. Um, graduate transfer from Butler, Tommy Kennedy, came in with a lot of billing but hasn't seemed to live up to the hype so far this spring. Early enrollee freshman left tackle Zion Nelson, who was only a two-star, has actually shown uh, the most from that offensive line in terms of new guys and could see some playing times if things continue to progress. As left as last year's left tackle DJ Scafey traded time with him this spring, but also Scafey moved to left guard as the spring progressed. So um, that to me shows that Nelson has made some progress and they know that Scafey is a, is a guy that uh, they can trust on that offensive line and moving him to the interior is going to help that, uh, that quarterback settle in a little bit better. Offensive guard Navon Donaldson is the leader of this group and will certainly need to help uh, this unit solidify. So um, questions or comments on the hurricane offense, Bip? Well, like every, everyone else in the country, I really want to know how the production is going to be behind center this year, Chappie. Yeah. As Nikosi Perry barely completed over 50% of his passes last year, and all the hype surrounding Tate Martell is just that so far. Just hype. Mm -hmm. um, so looking to see that. And also a uh, guy that I'll be looking at is uh, Lorenzo Lingard at, at running back. Can he uh, yeah. poach his way into the starting lineup, considering the fact that Miami had – Pretty good uh, production last year, but there's going to be a lot of question marks surrounding that going into 2019 as well. Yeah, and Lingard's a guy to watch because he's a five-star. He wears number one, and you know that that's uh, given to somebody mm -hmm. who's going to be special. He had a knee injury at the end of last year, but he averaged eight yards per carry on just under 20 total carries last season. So I know it's not a big sample size, but when you're ripping off eight per pop um, on, you know, 20 carries that's that's more than a handful so that's that's a sign of good things to come but uh you know when all right. is when all is over you know Dallas Davis and uh Lingard all three of them could form a pretty good trio in that Miami backfield and Lingard returned a couple kicks last year as well so you know he's got that shiftiness uh yeah. about him like uh so many uh great hurricane backs of, of uh years past Right, and his speed is not deceptive. Let's make that clear. <laughs> so uh, on the onto the defense, um, led by Blake Baker, this defense should be pretty good um, as they continue in the M Manny Diaz uh, mold, um, and and he has that you know feel, or they have that Manny Diaz feel to them now that he's the head man. Um, the first unit looks pretty good. The second unit, however, is far behind the first according to reports. So they must stay healthy and they must stay in shape, um, especially down in that uh, that Miami humidity. Defensive end Gregory Rousseau uh, was causing a lot of destruction this spring from his DN spot and should compete with DN uh, Virginia Tech transfer Trevon Hill for the same spot opposite Jonathan Garvin, who's going to be, you know, uh, an all ACC type end at the other side. Um, UCLA transfer Chigozi Niroku uh, will likely add a starter to the front or at least some experienced depth to a D line that is pretty much depleted. Um, now, Baker's defensive lines have played well in the past, so expect this underrated group to perform well this year. Um, another defensive tackle to keep an eye out for is Nesta Jade Silvera. He's made maybe the second biggest leap of growth this spring um, behind Cameron Harris, that, who we talked about earlier. Um, and he should be a destroyer on the front when all is said and done. Another D tackle to look out for is Jordan Miller, who's drawn praise and will provide depth at that spot. So not a lot of experience, but in terms of athleticism and potential, Miami's defensive front looks to be pretty good, especially under the tutelage of new defensive coordinator Baker. Yeah, Linebacker. And, I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
Oh, no, go ahead and finish up, Chappie. All right, well, linebacker, they're going to have clearly uh, the best trio, in my mind, in the entire country with Michael Pinckney, Shaq Quarterman, and Zach McLeod. Now, Pinckney was all over the field this spring and will be uh, probably the best of that trio. Um, clearly, all three of them are going to go into the season as Buckus Award nominees, and don't be surprised if at least two of them uh, round out November as as finalists. Um Alpha, other outside linebacker Patrick Joyner has looked good in his new role, switching over from defensive end, so he'll give them some good depth uh, behind those three. The secondary looks to be pretty good, uh, a pretty good teaming with that linebacker crew. Cornerback Christian Williams, who is a former Alabama recruit, may have a significant role in 2019 um, to go along with guys like Trajan Bandy and DJ Ivy. Um, and also safety Amari Carter should thrive in Blake Baker's system, especially since he's proven to be a solid tackler and a good cover guy. So uh, a good amount of depth and experience coming back in the back seven, Bip. But again, the, uh, you know, replacing some of those starters up front is going to be the key. So what are your thoughts? Well, uh, I think uh, typical to the, the Miami defenses of years past and of recent memory, this one's going to be a fast and athletic and a, a scary looking uh bunch like you said their linebackers are going to be rivaling just about anyone in the country um, they had five guys last year that had double digit tackles for loss so they know how to get in the backfield they know how to stay in the backfield they know how to tackle in the backfield um, curious to see how some of those transfers that uh, uh, come in um, how they fit in the mix and we know that Miami's been cr- uh, recruiting at a crazy level uh, the past few years here so once again the defense looking to make up for any shortcomings that the offense may uh, produce for them. Yeah. uh, Miami has gained in the transfer portal, what USC has lost and, (laughs) and Illinois for that matter. Sorry, big. Um, And uh, you know, um, you know, something else to, uh, to point out as well um, for, for Miami is um on special teams, you know, they, they bring back uh, some good experience there as well. Um, Bubba Baxa was a, a serviceable place kicker last year. DJ Dallas and Jeff Thomas were both two pretty good kick returners. Um, and you mentioned Lingard as well. Um, Thomas also returns punts. So now that he's back and, and presumably staying in Coral Gables, that's going to be a good special teams unit. And they bring in, um, you know, uh, 350 pound UFC looking fighter uh, tatted to the toes, Lewis Headley, um, <laughs> who will only be a freshman, but he looks like he's a 50 uh, year old truck driver mm-hmm. um, all tatted up and he will be wearing the rocks number 94. So um, that'll be interesting to watch uh, on that side of the ball. Yeah. I can already see so many ESPN stories about him throughout next year. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I know the other point I was going to make is because this defense will be so good. Um, Bring out your vomit bags for when the turnover chain gets played ad nauseum um, on on those Miami games. So feel free to turn the channel once the the Hurricanes get a turnover. Give it about uh, two minutes and then flip back to the the game. (laughs) All right, Chappie. Well, I'll take it back to the uh, over on on my neck of the woods here in the Atlantic. And I'm going to go with the uh, NC State Wolfpack. Now, uh, North Carolina State only has 10 seniors on this team. So the spring was a great opportunity to see what the young players had to offer. So at quarterback, sophomore Matthew McKay seems to have created some difference between himself and the rest of the pack, no pun intended, displaying a good <laughs> ability to throw the ball on the or to throw and uh, run the ball effectively as he finished with 182 yards passing and a touchdown, also had 28 yards uh, rushing and uh, contributed another touchdown on the ground. At running back, uh, four-star true freshman Bam Knight showed how explosive he could be this year. 
and looks to be someone that uh, NC State fans can be really excited about. In addition to a 73-yard touchdown run, Knight had multiple other explosive runs en route to 139-yard uh, rushing yards on the day for the spring game and really gives the Wolfpack wow. um, a, a good potential option to, rep- to replace uh, outgoing running back Reggie Gillespie. Um, he's going to team with uh, Ricky Person Jr. and Trent Penix, mm-hmm. and NC State could really have an effective running game in 2019, so something that they could, that offense, which really lost a lot, could uh, – um gather around as they uh, go into 2019 there chappy yep um so at receiver they obviously have to replace a couple of really good ones in jacoby myers and kelvin Harmon, which isn't going to be easy but cj riley and devin carter gave them a couple good options as both had six catches while riley went for 113 yards and carter went for 60 so uh lots to replace uh, especially on the uh, offensive side of the ball for nc state um but uh the spring had a couple good signs um at just about every position so uh going over to the defensive side of the ball redshirt sophomore uh defensive end xavier lias um showed lots of promise finishing with four tackles and a sack and two tackles for loss while early enrollee defensive back shaheem battle shined with seven tackles and a a tackle for loss he was one of the top recruits this past year and could provide some quality depth to that wolfpack secondary um the special teams of nc state were also called out for being pretty impressive as uh, Chris Dunn kicked a 53-yard field goal, and uh, we know last year that he set the single-season field goal record for NC State. Uh, and then at uh, at punter, Mackenzie Morgan had multiple punts of 50 yards or greater and pinned uh, the opposing side within the 10-yard line a couple of times as well. So um, that defense also loses a decent amount from last year's squad for NC State, uh, but a couple good ones from the spring and that special team should be keeping them uh, on the right side of the field position um, should they have any shortcomings on the offensive or defensive side of the ball. Yeah, so uh, some thoughts for all three phases. First of all, on offense, um, I was surprised not to hear more from Bailey Hockman, who was going into the offseason, the transfer from Florida State, um, said to be the guy who was probably going to win that job, but it sounds like McKay has really etched himself um, up to number one there. Um yeah, I like their running backs. My question on offense is how do they replace um, what was considered to be one of the top offensive lines in the country, losing Tyler Jones, um, Tyrone Prescott, and Garrett Bradbury, who was an All-American. Um, they do bring back Joshua Fed Jackson and Justin Witt, um, and also Joel Sculthorpe, who um, you know logged 572 total snaps, although he only started two games. That's still a good amount of experience. They also bring in a a freshman to watch, Dylan McMahon, who um, all reports say probably will win the starting job at center to replace Bradbury. So that'll be um, something to keep an eye on. But, yeah, it does sound like um, despite a loss in offensive play calling by losing Eli Drinkwitz, their offensive coordinator, um, you know, this offense still should be prime and ready to go and give some defenses some fits this year. On the defensive side of the ball, um, you know, I, I like their their secondary. Um, I, I, I'm excited to see Shaheem Battle and, and what he can do at, at corner, um, you know, to team up with Nick McLeod and uh, Tayshawn Smith, who look to be the, the starters. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, yeah, the special teams look really good. So Chris Dunn, 23 of 26 last year. Um, didn't have anything longer than 49 yards, but you know that he's consistent and, and he's going to give you some security uh, when it comes to clutch time. Mackenzie Morgan, like you mentioned, great spring, another Aussie, and they just are turning things out. I'm waiting for the 30 for 30 on Australian punters to come out on ESPN. I'm surprised it hasn't yet. Right. Um, 
And then, um, yeah, C.J. Riley in the return game, Thayer Thomas. And they also brought in a high school All-American long snapper, Joe Shimko. That's the first I've ever heard of it in the high school ranks. Um, don't know that he's a five-star long snapper, but um, he was a high school All-American by some publications. So, so you know, they got that going for him. <laughs> oh, I can tell you all about that, Chappie. Notre Dame has a five-star uh, long snapper coming in this year for the of class course of 20. Of course they do. <laughs> for the class of 2020. So they do exist. Okay, well, um, probably was um, woken up at 4 a.m. at the age of seven by his uh, overbearing dad, and it was told, you're going to earn a scholarship, damn it. Yep, he has the uh, the poster of Todd Marinovich in his bedroom. <laughs> right. <laughs> Says a prayer to it every night. <laughs> All right, well, let's go back to the Coastal, and let's go to Pittsburgh, last year's Coastal Division champs. So they bring in new offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach Mark Whipple, who was formerly the head coach at UMass. And Whipple's a guy that knows how to tutor quarterbacks. He's a guy who knows and likes to put the ball up in the air, and that's exactly what they're going to do this season. So he says that um, returning quarterback Kenny Pickett is the starter and has looked good. One receiver even called Pickett, quote, immaculate. Don't know how far I'm going to believe that, but we'll we'll <laughs> see what happens. Um, so my question is, is this gap on the depth chart because he really is that good, or is it because there's little competition behind him? Um, incoming freshman Davis Bevel made a good case to be the backup after being the most prolific passer in the spring game. He finished 13 of 17 for 157 yards and a touchdown, no picks. Um, expect a more pass-heavy heavy approach this year due to Whipple being there like we talked about. Um, the receivers that they'll have to go to are some good ones. So um, in, a turning, in addition to returning wide receiver playmakers Maurice French and Taysir Mack, um, <laughs> Richard freshman Trey Tipton had himself a spring game and seems to be Pickett's favorite target um, going into 2019. He made three catches for 43 yards and two touchdowns, but most impressively all spring was they showed great chemistry between those two. Um, they uh, In the run game, uh, that's going to be a big concern as three running backs combined for a total of 19 yards on 11 carries. Okay, So if you do the math, that's less than two yards a, a touch. Um Valik Carter saw some time in the run game as well as a defensive back on defense. He's known by his teammates as the freak uh, because of his incredible athletic abilities. So kind of look to see if he will play both ways or if they're going to settle on him on one side of the ball or the other. He and A.J. Davis should trade carries in that backfield. But again, they're looking for some playmaker to emerge running the football. Up front paving the way for them is going to be an even bigger concern as the offensive line is far from being set and there's a long way to go for them to be in contention to defend their Coastal Division championship. They give up eight sacks for a minus 32 yards in the spring game and the run game, like I said, only gained 19 yards on 11 total carries. They do get Michigan grad transfer offensive tackle Nolan Ulysio this summer, so that'll help. Um, Retro freshman Carter Warren had a good spring and looks to be the current starter at left tackle. Well, left guard Bryce Hargrove and center Jimmy Morrissey are the anchors returning to that line, and they're going to have a lot of work to do to really help gel this group and, and to teach these newbies um, what it means to be a, a rough, tough pit panther on the on the trenches. So questions or comments on offense, Bip? My biggest question is exactly what you highlighted, and that's a running game. I mean, tough for any team to replace the production that uh, Kadri Allison and Darren Hall had. But they didn't really yep. have much behind them uh, coming in this year at all. I'm also uh, I also have some question marks about Kenny Pickett as he's been right. solid, not spectacular by any means. Last year only mm-hmm. threw for 12 touchdowns. Um, and outside of uh, Maurice for French, I don't really see any playmakers <laughs> along the uh, it, it, 
in their uh, group of wide receivers as well. So similar to last year, this is going to be a defense, uh, a defensively strong team um, because more so out of necessity, because this offense is going to look like it's going to be counting its lucky stars when they, when they put some points on the board. Yep. You're right. We'll go into defense, which is, you know, the baseline of a Pat Narduzzi team. Um, the defensive line looks to uh, be pretty good with returning starters Amir Watts, Patrick Jones, and Rashad Weaver, along with Keyshawn Camp. Seven guys, though, are competing for three linebacker spots, and they are redshirt freshman uh, Wendell Davis, redshirt senior Salim Brightwell, who started every game in 2017. He was out with injury last year, so he kind of comes back with some experience. And also redshirt junior Elias Reynolds at the Mike linebacker spot. Also look out for um, Chase Pine, who looked good this spring, and Cam Bright. Alpha or outside linebacker slash strong safety Phil Campbell has been getting a lot of work at both spots and has been pretty active. And they like to use a multiple look on their defense. So sometimes he'll line up at a true outside backer spot. Sometimes he'll be back off the line a little bit, kind of playing that intermediate strong safety position. Oh, and recently they add Florida grad transfer outside linebacker Keelan Johnson, who's a four-star recruit to the mix, which Pat Narduzzi is really happy about. So really, like I said, seven guys competing for three linebacker spots. A lot of depth and a lot of good depth to work with, it sounds like, for um, Randy Bates, former Northwestern uh, defensive coach, who's their defensive coordinator working uh, under Narduzzi. The secondary should be their strength, though. So as, as promising as the linebackers seem to be going into 2019, the secondary is going to be really good. Cornerback Dane Jackson looked to be their top cover guy, while Jason Pinnock gives him good company on the other side. And safeties DeMar Hamlin and Paris Ford, who was called Pitt's top defender this spring, Ford was, give Pitt fans a sight for good things this year. So um, some questions up front, but on the in the back seven, uh, things look a little bit better, especially in that secondary. So um with a uh, an increasingly pass-happy ACC, um, the pit defense looks to be okay against the pass, but how are they going to do up front, and how are they going to um, do if they have to be on the field so much if that pit offense is a little bit um, deficient, Bip? Yeah, and I, I really impressed with uh, Rashad Weaver. I think he could have another big year for the Panthers, and Dane Jackson is someone that I'm going to have my eye on, especially 14 passes defended last year. What really impressed me, he caused four fumbles last year, which from the cornerback position lets you know that he's a really opportunistic guy, sticks with the play, and doesn't avoid contact. So um, like you mentioned, that secondary should be pretty good. Uh, some questions up front, but uh, by and large, this Narduzzi defense should be one of the more stingy ones in the ACC again. Agreed. Well, let's go to the Atlantic, Bip. Uh, who's next on the list? Well, let's go with the Eagles, Chappie, and uh, talk yeah. about some Boston College. <laughs> so Boston College's uh, top two running backs, A.J. Dillon and Ben Glines, both sat out most of the spring game. Dillon didn't, Dillon didn't play at all, and Glines only had one carry. But Coach Steve Adazio said that Glines might have had the most impressive spring team-wide. So um, mm. we know that A.J. Dillon was banged up a little bit last year so good for the eagles to know that they have glines to uh carry the load should the injury bug bite again additionally david bailey gained 91 yards on only 12 carries and uh jv and dane had 102 yards on 21 carries so the running game not only has one of the better backs in the country but should have uh some of the better quality depth um in the acc coming up this year as well um Anthony Brown played only two series, uh, their starting quarterback, but moved the ball effectively when he was in. Behind him, though, Matt Valise was said to have been the most impressive quarterback, going 9 of 11 for 78 yards, as there wasn't a whole lot of passing in the spring game, as you can imagine, from this BC offense. 
um, despite all their losses along the offensive line, that may have been the most impressive unit in the spring game. Pass protection was said to have been very good, and the running backs were, as I uh, kind of mentioned before with the, the stats, were uh, able to run the ball very effectively all game. So uh, once again, not a whole lot to speak of from the receivers. Uh, you kind of know what you're going to get from Anthony Brown as he had some really good games last year and he had some not so great. This this offense is going to run behind A.J. Dillon and uh, however well the offensive line can gel after losing a couple key starters from last year. Uh, but any questions on the offensive side of the ball, Chappie? Yeah, not questions. Um, I, I'm pleased to hear about the offensive line because BC is unofficially known as Offensive Line U, um, and they lost those three starters from last season, but they do bring in Hayden Mahoney, a transfer from Miami, who was a three-star, but um, you know was one of the stronger players on that offensive front for the Hurricanes last season, so I'm interested to see how he fits in. Also, Penn State transfer tight end Danny Dalton. We know that Boston College likes to carry 64 tight ends on their roster, so um, <laughs> he's in a in a crowded room, but um, Dalton showed some pretty good things and he just looks like that typical BC tight end. So I'm, I'm interested to see how he fits in. I do like Kobe white, um, their wide receiver, really their top receiver from last year. Um, he'll be a junior coming back, um, uh, to team up with CJ Lewis. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's going to have to be AJ Dillon's going to need to carry that team. And I think he's going to need to have close to a 2000 yard season for this BC team to really emerge and, 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 uh, exceed where they were last year. Right. And for all you Irish fans out there, that's at champion underscore lit that called Boston College offensive line you. But we'll move on <laughs> hey, from that. No, that, that that's according to their website. When we did our <laughs> dig into traditions, that's uh, according to BC people. That's not chappy labeling them, but I digress. <laughs> Again, at champion underscore lit. Uh, so let's that's go right. To Bring the it defense. on. I've been, I've been bored this week. <laughs> so uh, on the defensive side of the ball, sophomore defensive back uh, Tate Hayes, uh, I'm sorry, Tate Haynes had one of the best plays of the spring game by forcing a fumble and returning at 44 yards for a touchdown. Adazio has high praise for how Haynes has looked all spring. Um, he also, uh, Adazio also addressed uh, Brandon Sebastian and Elijah Jones and thinks that despite all the talent that they lost in the secondary from 2018, that the secondary will still be in good shape in 2019. Other big plays on the defense uh, or on the defense included a 40-yard fumble return for a touchdown by safety Nolan Borgensen and a 36-yard interception return uh, by safety Mike Palmer that was not returned for a touchdown. Um, converted to, uh, tight end, one of the 63 that you mentioned that they like to carry, Chappie, Joey Lucchetti uh, had yep. three sacks in the game at defensive end, and Adazio praised um, fellow defensive end uh, freshman Isaiah Henderson, saying that he started figuring it out uh, towards the end of the spring and that he'll be playing a lot this year for uh, along that uh, Eagle defensive line. Um, so outside of that, the, the kicking game was, it was said to be kind of shaky as they missed an extra point uh, did kicker, John Tessitore and the other kicker that they have on staff, Danny Longman was short on a 52 yard field goal attempt by <laughs> about 10 yards. Uh, nice pun, yeah. <laughs> uh, he was short by about 10 yards on that 52 yard uh, field goal. So um, some kicking woes potentially for the Eagles coming up, um, which is not something that you want to hear when you have a Steve Adazio led team. That's basically ground and pound play defense and hope for the uh the close game to where your kicking game is going to be of most importance 
Yeah, and by the way, John Tessitore is the son of ESPN's Joe Tessitore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they got a pretty good punter in Grant Carlson, but the big loss for them on special teams is the loss of Michael Walker, who was an all-everything kick returner and punt returner, especially in punt returns last season. Um, so he'll be missed. Um, defensively, I do like Joey Lachetti. Um, he's also a former basketball player. So, okay. you know, he's got good feet. He's, he's very athletic. And, yeah, um, you know, puts the tight end group, group down to 63 now that he's over on the defensive <laughs> side. Um, they also have a guy at defensive tackle named Ireland Burke, who they say has a very, very high ceiling. I think he suffered an ACL injury in the offseason. So they're hoping to see that he gets back to to form. Um, so yeah, a lot of questions for me on defense, especially up front in that front seven at defensive line and linebacker. Um, I do like Tate Haynes at cornerback to go with Brandon Sebastian. Um, so I think that they will be better in the back end, but, uh, questions up front for, for BC. Yep. Well, um, speaking about questions, um, we're going to go to Charlottesville, Virginia, and a team that in my opinion is getting a lot of hype and a lot of high expectations that I think that we need to pump the brakes on a little bit. So let's figure out why Virginia had a very good season last year and they ended on a high note. They thumped South Carolina in the bowl game. In fact, I think they beat them 28, nothing. So, um, shake them out in a, in a skunk performance. Unfortunately, legendary head coach, George Welsh passed away this spring and it hit the UVA community pretty hard and our, you know, uh, you know, he'll be missed. He of course had fame at Navy, but more so at the university of Virginia and kind of put the, the Wahoos um, on the map in the ACC when the ACC first started. They had a lot of injuries this offseason, BIP. 25 total players uh, were held out of the spring, which, you know, if you look at it, um, you're really only practicing with about 75 guys in the spring. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, <clears throat> a third of their roster was was out for injury. Now, quarterback Bryce Perkins is coming off hand surgery to fix uh, a pinky on his, uh, an injured pinky on his throwing hand. We know he's a good runner and a good thrower, um, and there's a lot expected from him this year. But the guy who really impressed this spring was Brennan Armstrong, who's a lefty and looks like a capable backup. This guy just looks like, um, you know, uh, somebody who who just can come in and um, really do well and get the job done. He reminds me a little bit of Joe Germain from Ohio State, who was kind of the 1A or the 1B quarterback with Stanley Jackson in the mid-90s. Um, Jackson was a starter, but Germain was the guy who – you know, kind of hung around, hung around, and eventually won the job. I'm not saying he's going to take the job from Perkins, but if Perkins has issue with that hand, um, Wahoo fans can can rest assured that they've got a pretty good backup behind him. Running back is a little bit of a concern, although sophomore Wayne Tua Lapapa got a good number of carries and has appeared to have has the lead at running back. He runs hard and he runs with attitude, and I love seeing that. Um, PK Keir uh, missed the spring, uh, but he'll be in the running in this fall, as well as freshman Mike Hollins. All three will compete, but look for Tua LaPapa to have the inside track there. At wide receiver, senior transfers Dijon Brissett and Terrell Chapman um, come in. We talked about that in a couple podcasts ago. Brissett should add another target along with Hassis Dubois, who looked the best of all the receivers this spring, and a guy that I really liked, especially in that Vatek game last year, Joe Reed. Um, I think that Reed and uh, Dubois and Brissett will give them three pretty good receivers. Um, don't count out Terrell Jana and Tavares Kelly as well as they look to consider, log considerable snaps. The offensive line had trouble. Pass protection was okay, but run blocking was not that great. Um, they're waiting to get Penn State transfer Alex Gellerstedt, who surprised a lot in Happy Valley by leaving um, Nittany Lion Nation and going out to UVA. Um, and there will be three players competing at that center position, which is the most important job on that offensive line. But, so before 
um, Virginia fans get too excited. They, they do need to figure out who's going to run the ball, and they need to figure out that offensive line spot because as good and as efficient as Perkins was last year, without a good front and without um, a solid run game behind you, um, you're a little bit handicapped. Yeah, and losing uh, Zacchaeus and um, Ellis is never easy to replace. I do like the group right. of receivers that they brought in, especially uh, Dijon Brissett. Haven't had a chance to watch him much as he was hurt most of last year and played for Richmond, so uh, not not much that uh, I'm familiar with there, but his stats uh, speak volumes, and he's one of those uh million people million guys that uh the university of illinois lost chappy that you brought up earlier <laughs> this year so um that's right but he you could almost have a whole yearbook of uh almost uh illinois uh transfers this <laughs> <Yeah>. year <laughs> uh, but he's a big play guy waiting to happen additionally um joe reed should be um step into more uh opportunity this year as he's been adept at both um kick uh kick returns punt returns and uh averaged over 18 yards per reception last year so um yeah this is all going to ride upon uh perkins and how well that he can uh build upon last year's success chappy but if they don't find anyone to run the ball then it's going to be difficult for perkins to be set up for success and that's my question you know if if he was bringing back um his leading rusher if he was bringing back uh, four or five offensive linemen. I could see the hype, but um, you know, some people calling him a potential All-American. I just don't see it yet because of the fact that his supporting cast is a little bit unproven. But if there's anybody who's going to take uh, something that seems insignificant and turn it into something mighty, it's it's uh, head coach Bronco Mendenhall. So so good yep. luck to to that offense this year. Going mm-hmm. over to defense, the defense. Um, relatively speaking, looked much better than the offense. Inside linebacker Jordan Mack was getting into the backfield and also had an interception um, in the spring game. He looked like the defensive MVP. Charles Snowden, outside linebacker, is also going to be a player in that uh, in that linebacking core. In the secondary, cornerback Bryce Hall came back for his senior year and wants more for this team and program. That's why he came back. He really shocked a lot of people by passing on the NFL because he wants to be a part of the group that takes – this Virginia program to that next level, which means an ACC championship, which means potentially, um, you know, competing for 10, maybe even 11 wins this year. He picked off Perkins on his first series. So, you know, that kind of shows you the skill of uh, Hall, but also again, that, that hesitancy we might have on Perkins uh, given that first play in the, in the spring game. Cornerback Nick Grant also did a good job in coverage this spring. So did fellow corner Heskin Smith. Um, A guy to watch up front is defensive tackle Juwan Briggs, who's a four-star guy. Um, you know, he's somebody who could log some early snaps and, you know, there was a lot of hush hush there, you know, Virginia was one of those teams that was hard to research and a hard to get a pulse on for what happened this spring. And, you know, that's a credit to Bronco Mendenhall, very much like Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald. You're not going to get a whole lot of info, um, behind closed doors. You really do have to wait and see what you get when they line up on, on Saturdays this fall. Um, but on special teams, Kickoff slash place kicker Brian Delaney seems to have locked up both jobs while Nash Griffin is going to be the starting punter. Um, and Mendenhall, you know, made it a point to really nail down and, and lock up their kicking game so they can kind of have that mental edge and and know going into the season that they're going to be the guys and, and they need to prep for that mentally and physically heading into 2019. But yeah, Bryce Hall is going to I, I'm sure a lot of ACC quarterbacks were kicking themselves when he decided to come back. Twenty one passes right. defended last year could even improve upon his overall statistics this year as he's going to be one of the best corners in the country. Um, 
my biggest biggest question with uh, Virginia is who are they going to have rush the passer? They didn't have much of a pass rush last year. They lose their top pass rusher from 2018 and Chris Pierce. So the top uh, sack guy coming back for them, they have a couple guys that had two and a half sacks each. So how are they going to get uh, pressure on the quarterback and uh, who's going to step up for them in that department? Right. Yep. So uh, questions, questions, but um, you know, certainly uh Everyone in Charlottesville thinks that they've got answers. <laughs> yep, yep. Well, we'll kick it back to the Atlantic Chappie, and I'm going to go with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons. So, go Deeks. In what might be one of the most competitive quarterback battles in the country, and one that's near and dear to your heart, Chappie. Watch it, watch Jamie it. Jamie Newman and Sam Hartman both looked impressive, and no progress was seemingly made in determining who the front runner is. So, Jamie Newman was 21 of 27 for 312 yards and two touchdowns in the spring game. However, he was sacked five times. Sam Hartman, on the other hand, was 18 to 26 for 198 yards and two touchdowns and wasn't uh, sacked at all in the game. So uh, Hartman obviously showing his mobility there. Not that Newman doesn't have any, but uh, some nice pocket awareness and some mobility shown from Hartman. Um, so that'll be some, one of the most interesting battles going into the fall. And that one obviously could play itself out throughout 2019. Uh, depending on who has the hot hand, as both quarterbacks are very talented uh, young guys that uh, could give the the Demon Deacons the upper hand in, in any other competitions coming up this year. Um, while the Deacons don't have a ton uh, returning of returning production at wide receiver, they have a group of receivers that the coaches feel really good about. Sage Charette's coming off a solid season. Uh, Wade Al Jones really impressed during the last practice of the spring. And um, while A.T. Perry and Steve Claude had impressive performances in the spring game as well. Adding to the mix are uh, Kendall Hinton and uh, Jaquari Roberson, who figured to be kind of a, a rotation at the uh, slot position. This group also has six guys who run 6'1 or taller, with four of those guys that are 6'3 or taller. So whoever comes out on top in the quarterback competition, they'll have a pretty good group of uh, receivers to throw to um, that the coaches were really impressed with uh, this spring, Chappie. And forgive me uh, if I missed it, but did you talk about incoming freshman Nolan Gruels? I did not. Uh, okay, he, he was he was mentioned as well. So my mistake for not uh, mentioning him as well. Um, him and they had another uh, freshman that was pretty well regarded that uh, garnered some attention as well. Donovan Green, I think, is who yes, you're talking about. Yes. Both guys were four stars. Um, I know um, Gruel was, uh, I think he played in, in one of the All-American games, the high school All-American games. He's drawn a lot of buzz um, in Wake Forest circles as somebody who's going to come in, play as a true freshman, um, probably even start eventually, <coughs> and um, give somebody like um, you know Sam Hartman or Newman um, to you know a good <laughs> target to throw to. But yeah, I like Surratt, um, especially in the NC State game last year. Surratt had a big game. Um, I like Scotty Washington. I like Kendall Hinton. I like Stephen Claude. Um, tight end Jake Frudenthal is going to be an All-American candidate. Um, and then even Brandon Chapman backing him up. There's a lot of talent to throw to. So Dave Clawson hopefully is going to air this out this year and um, bring out some some offensive firepower. And Cade Carney comes back as their, as their leading rusher. Um, you know, I like the way that he runs. Um, so a lot of good things. But, you know, big question is they have to replace three guys on that offensive line. So if you can – catch set and throw and get it out to these receivers quickly that that's going to kind of negate maybe that lack of experience. Um, but I do question maybe the run game early on as, as they need to um, gel a new group up front. Yep. 
Um, so on the defensive side of the ball, the play of true freshman Shamar McCollum has really opened everyone's eyes. An early enrollee, he came to Wake Forest listed at about 200 pounds, maybe 210, uh, and he's since increased to 240 pounds without slowing down at all. He's a favorite to get plenty of playing time at the drop-end spot and could be starting by the end of the year, if not by the beginning. The coaches have raved about him uh, over and over again throughout the spring, and he's expected to be a big part of that Deacon defense uh, coming up in the fall. Um, on the topic of young and talented defensive linemen, the Deacon D-line is really kind of full of them. Uh, similar to the receivers, most of their young talent is is kind of also unproven in this group. Um, as the, they won't have a senior included in it. But uh, Tyler Williams has moved back to defensive tackle this year from defensive end and is the best pass rusher of the expected four-man rotation at that uh, spot. And uh, the coaching staff is looking forward to um, this defensive line going into the season, uh, especially guys like uh, McCollum along it, uh, adding in with uh, Tyler Williams to give them a, a pretty good uh, potential pass rush. Uh, linebacker and safety are, ex are extremely thin for the Deacons as far as depth is concerned. Uh, at linebacker, walk-on Jake Galley was in the two deep. Um, at safety, Travion Red and Luke Masterson were the only healthy scholarship players uh, yeah. that played in the spring game. And contributing to the issues is the fact that linebacker DJ Taylor and safety Peyton Woolard have already been lost for the season. So lots of injuries. Now they do have uh, some freshmen coming in may even have a transfer uh, or two that may become eligible uh, in the in the fall, uh, or I'm sorry, in the summer. Um, so they'll get some of that uh, depth to be coming back. But uh, as far as the spring was concerned, they were kind of limping into the end as far as um, depth at both linebacker and safety. Could be something to look out for uh, as we get into 2019. Yeah, and, and I always feel, though, that um... – you know, that's not as big of an issue as if you've got injuries in the fall, obviously, with uh, with the recency and the proximity of it. But, um, you know, I'm not too concerned about um, some of those injuries going into uh, the end of the spring. Um, they they do bring back or they, they played quite a few guys on defense last year, um, not so much in the secondary, but um, at that linebacker spot, they look to be pretty set, pretty solid. Um, but they, they mm -hmm. do have to get better on defense because they fired their D co coordinator right after the Notre Dame game last year, which I think was week four or five. So uh, this defense is yep. certainly going to need to be shored up. And I'm, I'm confident that they will. Bit. Yep. All right. Well, um, keeping on Tobacco Road, we're going to go to North Carolina and Chapel Hill. So the return of Mac Brown to the blue and white, the Carolina blue and white. Max says he wants to air it out and score a lot of points. So he did the right thing by hiring Ole Miss coordinator Jay Longo, who's bringing in his air raid system. Now, they did have 14 players out with injury this spring, but like we talked about, that uh, can be put with an asterisk next to it. A lot of positive energy, Bip, and that's really what is giving me a little bit of reason to believe that North Carolina could be one of those sneaky good teams this year that um, you know exceeds expectations. There's been a big focus on the team mentality this spring, and communication has also been a major point of emphasis. Um, their motto has been be the one, as in be one of those people that's part of this turnaround of this program. Um, so starting on the offensive side, a lot has been made about incoming freshman Sam Howell, who was an early enrollee. Um, he originally committed to Florida State, but then decommitted last minute and joined Mac Brown on his um, you know, return to Chapel Hill. He split time with Jace Reuter and Cade Fortin, and it looks like Reuter is probably because of his 
seniority is going to get a little bit of the nod, maybe entering game one against South Carolina, but expect to see Howell because he was really the prize of that Mac Brown recruiting class this season. Um, at running back, freshman Javante Williams looked really good. He had six carries for 51 yards and a touchdown, which I know is as much as you know some of the other ones that we mentioned in the ACC, but um, coaches have been raving about him. He's added muscle and is up to 220 pounds now, so that's kind of a load coming at you, and he's a guy who can burn as well. So he's not just a lumbering slow guy. He can uh, turn on the lightning as well. He's going to push Michael Carter last year's uh, – uh, starter for the uh, starting spot. Carter was injured this spring, um, but Carter himself runs with a low base. He's really low base. He's really fast and has made, um, you know, good use of his time. But Williams has really made the biggest splash plays this spring. So it wasn't just a spring game. It was really all 15 practices. At wide receiver, Corey Bell converted over from cornerback and led the uh, spring game with receptions at five for 67 yards. Daz Newsom, one of my favorite players to watch in the ACC, and also Diami Brown will uh, help him to, and are all expected to have big seasons in this air raid system. I've got my eye on Newsom though, Bip, so keep an eye on number 19 there. Um, mm-hmm. Tight end Carl Tucker had a 77-yard reception to open the spring game, but he didn't score. That's a little bit of a problem. Uh, but he was their big play guy last year and has looked good this spring. So um, in that air raid, you've got Williams at your running back, and you've got those three wide receivers that are, are you know very talented on grass. And uh, speaking of grass, Keenan Memorial Stadium is actually getting new artificial turf this year for the first time, um, I think, in a long time, as, as far as I can remember. Chapel Hill has always been one of those unique stadiums that actually still has grass. They're getting the artificial turf this year. Um, but those guys all look to be pretty good. And, and we know that Jay Longo can run up points and he can um, light up the stat sheets with 450-plus yard offensive games for his offense. So expect some fireworks on the offensive side. Bip, any questions or comments? Well, I was kind of uh, scratching my head as to why Nathan Elliott would transfer to Arkansas state. Maybe the writing was on the wall um, heading into his March transfer. Right. Um, So question that one a little bit. Um, And, and keep in mind, he actually said he transferred because he wanted to be an assistant coach. So um, if if he's going over to Arkansas state, he's, he's going to a good coach in Blake Anderson, but I think, yeah, I think maybe he saw the writing on the wall. Perhaps there was maybe a lingering injury that, you know, he wasn't hundred percent sure that it was going to hold out this year. And with, uh, with Howell coming in and Jace Reuter hot on his, on his heels, maybe it was kind of like, all right. I don't want to spend my redshirt junior year doing this. I could be learning the tricks of the trade and networking now. So maybe I could be one of those hot new offensive assistants in five years. Whereas, you know, instead of looking back and saying, well, I sat and held a clipboard uh, Mm -hmm. and signaled in plays in Chapel Hill. Sure. And encouraging for the Tar Heels that uh, Williams has made such a splash in the spring as Michael Carter averaged 7.1 yards per carry last year. So they could have themselves a couple dynamic running backs uh, to go with uh, what, what sounds to be what they want to be uh, a high flying passing offense there. So I'm with you. I, I think, you know, I, I'm going to temper my expectations, obviously as a two win uh, team last year, but this offense with Mac Brown coming in um, and a couple of good uh, um, coaches that, that he brought in as well could be one of the more entertaining offenses in the ACC, um, you know, in, in the lower echelon of the, of the conference. For sure. Well, on the defensive side, um, this is where they're going to really need to, to shore up. Um, the front seven is the biggest concern as they replace a lot on that uh, defensive front. The good news is they bring in Jay Bateman, who comes over from Army, and he looks to give a lot of multiple looks on defense this year. Now, 
just to give you a little brief on his resume, his teams finished eighth in total defense and 10th in scoring defense last year at Army. Uh, in 2017, his defense was 14th in pass defense. Uh, and this is talking about in the NCAA. In 2016, so two years ago or three years ago, his Army team was fourth in total defense, 16th in scoring defense. So he's a guy who knows how to limit points, um, knows how to get his defenses to play. And these were some successful Army teams. And we saw that they went up against the likes of Oklahoma, um, against uh, you know Navy when Navy was still you know churning out 9 and 10 wins a season. Um, you know, this year, you know, they're starting to schedule bigger opponents. So it's not that it was the army teams of old where you rack up wins against Fordham and Lehigh and a bad Duke team. And then you have to, you know, maybe play a handful of other academic schools. This is an army program that he, you know, performed well at, uh, you know, running his defense, Mm -hmm. um, Defensive tackle Aaron Crawford, known as AC, looks to be recovering and getting stronger after an injury in fall camp. Last year shelved him for the season. He's known as a monster on the line, and he's good and quick uh, off the off the ball, or what we call in the coaching world as no or having good get off. Um, outside linebacker Dominique Ross looked pretty good heading the linebackers. He made an athletic interception in the spring game. Former starting quarterback Chaz Surratt, the brother of Sage Surratt, who we just talked about from Wake Forest, has moved to linebacker and showed some good things this spring. Uh, most notably, his physical uh, presence, his athleticism, as well as his intelligence. Obviously, being a former quarterback, you know that he's cerebral, so he's going to be kind of expected to be seen as a leader on that defense. Don't be surprised to see him insert his name in the starting lineup before the season's over. Um, Retrot sophomore Jeremiah Gemmel should be uh, good very soon. Mac Brown says he's got very good instincts and a, the physicality that you need to have at linebacker. Sophomore nickelback Trey Simmons was praised for his progress this spring. He's got um, great instincts as well and a toughness that's needed. And then cornerbacks Patrice Renee and safety uh, DJ Ford made a good impression on coaches. Um, Ford especially has been known as a leader in that secondary. And they're still waiting to hear on um, whether um, Cameron Kelly's waiver will be granted. So he's a four-star who switched over from Auburn. Um, You know, he originally committed to the Tigers, but then, um, decided to uh, basically put himself in the transfer portal, landed here at North Carolina. So they're still waiting on word whether he'll be eligible this year or not. So if he is, that will be a, certainly a, a a good presence to have in that secondary bit. Yeah, my question for uh, the Tar Heels are they have a couple good guys coming back on the defensive line in Fox and, and uh, Strowbridge, but they do lose um, Malik Carney, Cole Holcomb, uh, Tyler Powell. So that front seven, I'm going to be uh, interested to see how – how things turn out for them as, as they lost yeah. a good amount of the guys that had uh, were leaders, three of their top five tackle for lost guys um, and Carney and Holcomb combined for nine of the forced fumbles from the Tar Heels last year. So how do they get after the quarterback and what's that front seven look like this year? Right. Yep. And and you've hit it right on the head. I mean, that's going to be the, the big telltale sign of how well that defense does is can they get play out of that front four? Because, um, you know, as a football fan all my life, you know how a defense goes. They go as far as their defensive line is. So uh, that'll be a point of emphasis for Jay Bateman this offseason. Yep. So back right. to the Atlantic, Bip. Well, let's go with the Florida State Seminoles, Chappie. So okay. James Blackman has uh, flashed at times in the spring game uh, or, or throughout the spring and looks to be pretty much improved uh, with the help of new offensive coordinator Kendall Bryles. Um, they talked a decent amount about him and how – 
Blackman is it should be uh, his strengths should be met uh, under Browse new uh, offense that he's installing. So something to be excited for for the uh, Seminole fans, as we all know that quarterback play was not their strength last year. Um, and a nope. lot of people thought that Blackman should have started over Francois for a lot of the games that uh, he didn't uh, in 2018. So uh, not that it could get much worse, but there was some real progress that was uh, been made by the offensive line, which is really going to help out Blackman a lot. Uh, the quarterbacks were said to have had plenty of time to throw the ball. And uh, as I mentioned, it couldn't get much worse in Tallahassee. So uh, potentially some good things coming up um, this upcoming season for both the uh, quarterbacks and the running backs to have more time to throw the ball and then some more holes opening up for that talented backfield uh, for Florida State. At wide receiver, DJ Matthews and Keyshawn Helton both had over 100 yards receiving in the spring game. And to no one's surprise, Tamorian Terry has looked good all spring. He and Marvin Wilson, who we'll get to in just a minute, are the most talented players on the roster. And I'd be surprised if we don't hear their names called in next year's NFL draft um, early on in uh, day one or day two. Um, and stop me if you've heard this before, but Florida State is excited about their running backs entering the season. <laughs> and going into 2019, there's some good signs that it will actually materialize this year. Cam Akers is said to have been more assertive in hitting holes and faster. Uh, or hitting holes faster, and he's said to have taken on more of a leadership role, which we know that this team could have used a lot more leadership than what they got last year. Mm -hmm. uh, in addition to him, Kalen LeBourne has uh, gained some good weight as he continues to fight his way back from that knee injury. Now, he did ha uh, lead the spring game a little early with a um, an another injury, but um, not sure if that was just more of a precaution um, or if it was just uh, his his time was done for the day. Uh, but those two could be um, a couple guys that really break out onto the scene this year. And if Florida State's offense is going to have success, it's not just going to be James Blackman, but they're going to need to get much better running back pr uh, production than what they had last year. All in all, the offense averaged about uh, 6.3 yards per play th uh, in the spring game this year, which is a vast improvement from last year. So, I look for some pretty decent uh, improvement from that Florida State uh, offense as they have too much talent and they bring in a an offensive coordinator that's too good for them to continue to be uh, in the lower echelon of teams, not just in the ACC, but throughout the entire country. Yeah. Um, and, you know, one thing I was noticing is um, Florida State brought in quite a few transfers this season as well. Three quarterbacks alone, Alex Hornerbrook from Wisconsin, Jordan mm -hmm. Travis, who's a, an athletic guy from Louisville. Um, and then also, uh, I'm sorry, Wyatt Rector from Western Michigan. Also, they bring in um, tight end Ryan Roberts from Northern Illinois. Now, I've, I've seen it both ways where some are saying he might play at, outside, or at, at offensive tackle because of his athleticism, and others are saying he might play at tight end. Um, they already have mm -hmm. Trey McKitty and Cameron McDonald, and McDonald's a guy to watch um, at tight end, but um, you know, gives him a, a little bit of an option there. That offensive line, like we have talked about, uh, has to get better, and, and I, I – willing to bet that they will, especially in the philosophy and the system that Bryles likes to run. It kind of takes some of the emphasis off of that offensive line. But yeah, that running back group uh, needs to perform better. And it sounds like uh, they're going to. I mean, you you would have to believe that Cam Akers is going to have a bounce back junior year after his sophomore slump. Um, but I think a big part of that is is dependent on the leadership and their productivity from Blackman at quarterback. Yep. So defensively um, on the defensive line, Marvin Wilson, Robert Cooper and Corey Durden were said to have had uh, really strong springs. Marvin Wilson was really disruptive in the spring game. 
and he looks to be one of the best uh, defensive tackles in the entire country this year. Should be wow. um, really uh, one of the better, not only uh, run stuffers, but can really get after the quarterback from the defensive tackle position. Their main concern along the defensive line is at defensive end where Josh Kando and Janarius uh, Robinson really need to step it up this year. Uh, they were two highly touted guys that haven't really materialized with their time on campus yet. Um, but uh, Dennis Briggs has been noted as a guy who could surprise this year, and he looked impressive at times during the spring. And if either Kando or Robinson continues to underwhelm, there should be plenty of opportunity for Briggs to continue. So he's someone to look out uh, for at that defensive end position um, should they continue to have uh, poor production from guys in front of them like Kando and Robinson. The linebackers were said to have improved this spring, and a big part of that was early and really uh, Jaleel McRae, as he was uh, one of the couple of uh, early enrollees that uh, really impressed, in addition to um, uh, true freshman defensive back Akeem Dent, uh, who I'll get to in just a minute. Uh, Amari Gaynor uh, shined in the spring game and adds to the group of linebackers um, that appears to be rounding out pretty well for the Seminoles. Um, the defensive backs were kind of, uh, up and down a little bit throughout the spring. They were beat a couple times in the spring game. Uh, but as I mentioned, the coaching staff and, uh, the, the players have, have all pointed out that Akeem Dent is going to push his way into the starting lineup. Mm -hmm. If not at the beginning of the season, then definitely at some point as he's talented and he's been all over the, uh, the field and practices and, uh, during the spring game, uh, a couple injuries to note of. Uh, starting defensive back Levante Taylor and uh, running back Kalen LeBorn both left the game limping. Taylor with what appeared to be a knee injury and LeBorn with a hip injury. So not sure how serious those are. Didn't appear to be anything majorly serious, but for someone like LeBorn who has had kind of an injury of uh, or a, a history of injuries at Florida State already, um, something for for Florida State fans to keep in the back of their mind. Uh, as he tries to get back from that knee injury and stay on the field uh, this come up, this upcoming season. Yeah, and you know Florida State to me seems like the the premier team that has probably the most potential of any team in the country. I think um, in in the research I did the the last four years they are the fifth highest recruiting class on average um, when yep. you take into effect twenty four seven sports. Um, composite ranking scores over the last four years, um, they, they average a ranking of fifth nationally. So a lot of talent, especially, you know, we talked about the defensive side there in the secondary, they've got a lot of guys who have four or five star talent, a lot of athleticism mm -hmm. in that secondary. Yep. Um, I like McCray, um, that four star coming in at, uh, at that money linebacker spot. Um, you know, Briggs, who you mentioned, Xavier Peters, um, although Peters, uh, we found out, just uh, transferred out, so scratch his name from there. He ended up going over to Kentucky. Um, but, um, you know, like I said, just a lot of potential, a lot of talent. So can they parlay that into results on the field this year? Um, I don't expect him to challenge Clemson for the, for the throne in the Atlantic, but um, they should be undefeated going into that Clemson game, and, and we could be realistically looking at a Florida State team that if they're only losses to Clemson and they run the table – and and don't get to play in the ACC game. It could be an SEC type, um, you know, recliner 
move into the college football playoff a la Auburn and Alabama uh, as they've traded off the last couple of years um, where all they got to do is just play respectable against Clemson and do what they got to do in the rest of the ACC schedule, which is doable for this Florida State team. Um, and and that could be something that we look at going into November. But. Yeah, exactly. Way too much talent on this team to be underachieving that the, the way that they have, especially in the secondary, as you mentioned. Asante Samuel, Jaden Woodbay, Levante Taylor, uh, Akeem Dent, as I mentioned. Uh, so this secondary, if they play up to their potential and if they can um, obviously play better than what the what they did last year, this could be a defense that maybe not up to the par of a Clemson or Miami, but one of those that's going to be nasty from start to finish in a team that you don't want to look at uh, across the field if you're an ACC offense. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's uh, let's head back to Tobacco Road and and hit the last of the uh, Carolina schools, and that is the Duke Blue Devils. So recently this offseason, David Cutcliffe, their head coach, got a contract extension through 2023, and deservedly so. This guy is good. He can flat-out coach, um, which makes this Duke team dangerous to count out on in any year. Um, he's put a lot of emphasis on getting in better shape. Last year they ran out of gas in a lot of games, and even though they, they made it to a bowl game, and and they won the bowl game against Temple, which went against my picks in the in the postseason. Um, you know, Cutcliffe can you know he's proven that he can coach quarterbacks, and he's really going to need to put that to the test this year, um, because the big question is who has the responsibility of replacing the NFL's sixth overall draft pick, Daniel Jones. Quentin Harris did well in the spring showcase. They don't really have a spring game; they call it their showcase. It's it's a glorified practice. He went six of eleven with three touchdowns, although one was through the air and two were on the ground. Um, so as expected, he looked better on his feet than he did with his arm. He knows the playbook and coaches say that they can trust him. However, it comes down to execution. And in three years of watching him play, I just really haven't seen, um, I haven't seen that side from him to where I can trust him as, as a, an observer bit. So sophomore Chris Katrinick though, seems to fit more of Cutcliffe's offensive philosophy. And he looks more like the Cutcliffe type quarterback, not only at Duke, but in, in previous stops at Ole Miss and Tennessee as well. Running back Britton Brown had 51 rush yards and eight carries in the spring game and showed some nimble feet. Um, so he'll team up again with Deion Jackson in that backfield this year. Two young wide receivers that turn heads this spring are sophomore Jake Bobo, um, who's a 6'4", um, tall, skinny kid, but, um, he can, you know, he's got a great set of mitts and he can run routes really well. According to coaches, he had 10 catches last year for a 16.7 yards per catch average, which is pretty good. Um, and also, uh, a lot of buzz around six, five early enrollee freshman, Daryl Harding jr. Who cut cliff seems pretty high on both him and Bobo, um, tight end Noah gray, expect him to get a lot of early targets as the season starts while they kind of mold and gel that receiver group, um, who also was joined by Aaron young, who is one of their top receivers a year ago. Offensive line though, BIP struggled a bit. They're young and they need to improve their physicality according to veteran players and coaches. And in the ACC, if you're not physical and tough up front, it's going to be a long day for your offense, especially if you're trying to break in a new quarterback um, and, and breaking in a quarterback who uh, has some happy feet back there. So um, questions on offense for the Blue Devils? Well, I have a whole lot of questions surrounding their pass catchers as they lose their top four from last year, tight end included. Um, but uh, I think if they could rely on uh, Deion Jackson improving upon uh, what he the season that he had last year, they're going to really need to rely on the run game this year as they have questions at quarterback, questions at receiver, lose their top tight end. Uh, and as you mentioned, um, we'll see what their offensive line looks like this year. Right, right. 
Uh, we'll move it over to the defensive uh, perspective. Victor Dimukeje, um, defensive end, expects to pick up the role of defensive leader with the losses of Joe Giles Harris and Ben Humphreys at linebacker. Um, he does have a lot of good talent around him on that D-line, and it should be a very deep group for the Dukies, particularly Drew Jordan and Chris Rumpf at defensive end. The secondary should be the heart of this defense. Um, all ACC cornerback Mark Gilbert didn't play much in scrimmages. Um, he went down in the Northwestern game in, in week two last year um, with a hip injury that sidelined him. So he comes back. Um, but Josh Blackwell and freshman Jalen Alexander look good in his stead at corner. Um, and then you add in Michael Carter, their best cover guy last year. This is going to be a pretty deep set of cornerbacks for the Blue Devils. Jeremiah Lewis, uh also comes in at cornerback. He's a converted safety. Uh, or I'm sorry, Lewis and converted safety Leonard Johnson also add some depth um, to secure the back end. Uh, but they need some help from the middle part as they lose maybe their two best linebackers ever. Like I said, Joe Giles Harris and Ben Humphreys. Um, that's going to leave a big hole in the middle of that defense there. Um, Brandon Hill and Kobe Kwanzaa seem to be the guys who are going to step in and play. But Shaka Hayward is a guy that coaches have been really high on. He's a redshirt freshman from Georgia who um, many felt could have played last year. But with those two guys ahead of him, there was really no need to burn his red shirt. So um, he's, he's you know, set to come in and looks to get, uh, you know, a big role on that defensive side this year. Um, and as everybody in Blue Devil Land knows, they open up against mighty Alabama at Mercedes-Benz Stadium on August 31st. So um, really, you, you look at going in, you want to have a good showing, and Cutcliffe is going to, you know, give Bama some things to look at. But uh, realistically, you're, you're looking ahead to week two, staying healthy and, and priming for competing in the ACC this year. But Yeah, and like you mentioned, they, they lose a decent amount at linebacker. I do like their defensive ends. I think that they can hopefully for them uh, kind of mask some of the issues that they have at linebacker as they should have what could be a pretty decent pass rush um, as they have some quality returning starters as well as depth at the position. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard to replace similar to what they're, what they're trying to replace a quarterback hard to replace a couple of their better linebackers in in recent school history. Um, so how does that affect them going defensively into the, into the fall here? Yep. So that's Duke Bip. Well, kicking it back to the Atlantic, we have the Syracuse orange and the biggest question surrounding the orange going into 2019 is at the quarterback position as Longtime uh, starter Eric Dungy has left the program due to graduation. So uh, Tommy DeVito steps in and in the spring game, he was much more accurate than he was throughout last year in his uh, spot uh, starting duty in place of Dungy. He finished the game 13 and 16 for 178 yards and a pair of touchdowns. Now he did have an interception that was returned for a long gain. um, But outside of that, he looked pretty good and, we know that he has a strong arm, so if he can continue to carry this accuracy, this improved accuracy into next season, the Orange offense might not miss much of a beat without uh, longtime starter Eric Dungy. Behind DeVito, it was kind of a mixed bag as Clayton Welch was only two of nine yards or two of nine passing attempts, but uh, did complete a 71-yard touchdown bomb, um, and he finished with 75 yards total for the day. Uh, outside of that, Rex Culpepper was 13 of 14 for 149 yards. So the quarterback position looks like it's it's progressing along pretty nicely for for Syracuse. Um, adding to that and w- making the the quarterback play a little more impressive um, is the fact that we we know that they were going up against a really good pass rush as uh, Syracuse is going to have one of the better pass rushes in the ACC, but. 
along that offensive line, they've been dealing with a myriad of injuries. Um, only two projected starters played in the spring game, and everyone's expected to be ready for the fall. Plus, in the summer, they add South Alabama transfer Ryan Alexander, to who's expected to start at one of the tackle positions. So they should be okay along the offensive line, uh, but not much was able to be um, spelled out within the spring game. Um, a couple uh, guys that are really exciting along the uh, offensive side of the ball are both true freshmen. Uh, first one running back, Jawar Jordan. He looked pretty explosive as he had a pair of running touchdowns, one for 47 yards, and the other um, was for about 50-some yards, but that one was called back due to a hold. So all in all, he finished the day with 56 yards on five carries and gives him a really good speed option in the running game. And another speed option that they can potentially count on for this upcoming season is uh, Courtney Jackson, who lined up at the slot and caught three passes for 26 yards. They also ran a jet sweep with him. So he looks to be uh, another potential big play guy for them uh, to really give that orange offense a shot in the arm this year. So moving on to the defensive side of the ball, uh, picking up where they left off last year, Alton Robinson and Andre Sisco combined on a uh, defensive touchdown where Robinson caused a fumble and Cisco scooped it up and scored from four, uh, 57 yards out. Robinson also had a sack in the game. So um, Coleman, Robinson, and Cisco, the leaders from that defense last year, look to be um, moving in that same direction this year as well. Uh, Brandon Berry led the defensive line with five tackles, four of them being solo as well as a tackle for loss that he had. So again, that defensive line should be pretty scary for opposing ACC offenses this upcoming year. At linebacker, Syracuse has to replace both starters again, but Andrew Armstrong and Lakeem Williams had strong showings in the spring game, although they're going to have to improve on their pass coverage skills as they were burned a couple times. Behind them, Terrell Richards and Juan Wallace also played pretty well, and this group gives coaches something to be confident in towards uh, heading towards the fall, despite the losses that they had from the 2018 uh, squad. Um, and in the secondary, another big play, uh, from the defense outside of the Cisco scoop and score was from Trill Williams, who, um, another one of their talented defensive backs from last year's recruiting class. He's the one that picked off Tommy DeVito that I mentioned earlier. Um, and he returned at 75 yards. So since Syracuse runs a four, two, five, it's fitting that, um, their defensive backs in, in combination with their pass rushers are perhaps the, the most talented group that they have along the, the defense. Um, and adding to the, the talent that they already had, they, they get four-star recruits, Mikel Jones and Lee Kapagba. Uh, I know I mispronounced that, I'm sure. And we all know how well their defensive backs played as freshmen last year. So um, some pretty good depth for the Orange and some good playmakers along there as well. And uh, that pretty much caps off the, the spring for Syracuse um, as they have uh, – improved quarterback play it looks like and that defense should be pretty scary heading into uh, ACC play in this upcoming season well we're going to finish the coastal with going down to Atlanta and the rambling wreck of Georgia Tech so they had a good turnout at the spring game at Bobby Dodd Stadium and their motto this spring was compete new head coach Jeff Collins has hit the ground running and is going to great lengths to market this brand and to get the Georgia Tech program back into the realm of relevance so kudos to coach Collins who comes over from Temple um, they're going to go also with an air raid offense with a lot of mesh type routes and crossing uh, patterns. They're going to throw the ball um, and they're going to throw it a lot. So get used to it, Jacket fans. A complete 180 from Paul Johnson's triple option uh, attack. However, um, there's a lot of questions. And with this type of switch from 
a run-heavy offense, which averages about 350 yards on the ground, to now an offense that's trying to get about 350 yards through the air. Um, I take you to my favorite line from any college fight song, and it says, like all the other good fellows, I drinks my whiskey clear. Well, Yellow Jacket fans are going to need to be drinking a lot of whiskey to make this uh, offense seem uh, somewhat presentable this season. Um, <laughs> quarterback battle seems to be between redshirt junior Lucas Johnson and redshirt freshman James Graham. Last year's starter Tobias Oliver missed the spring, but you figure he probably will be on the outside looking in as he's more of a runner than a passer. So perhaps maybe an outside skill guy they can use um, in the slot or at wide receiver and also doubling as a wildcat quarterback and maybe even um, taking some handoffs in the backfield as well. Now, Lucas Johnson seems to be more polished and cerebral, while Graham is more of the risk taker and perhaps has a stronger arm. All signs, though, are pointing to Johnson being the number one guy starting the season. At wide receiver, Malachi Carter looks to be the best of the group and should finish the year off as uh, or finish year one of the Jeff Collins regime as their number one pass catcher and playmaker. Adonicus Sanders and Amarian Brown, who's an early freshman enrollee, also filled out wide receiver spots. Last year's top rusher, Nathan Cottrell, has been moved to play the slot wide receiver position. And though it's taking time, if anyone can adapt, can adapt it's him. Uh, Cottrell is one of my favorites to watch last year. Just a tough guy and a consummate team player. A lot is expected out of UConn transfer tight end Tyler Davis. Uh, but when he was out for the spring game, converted linebacker Tyler Cooksey made three catches and 20 yards in his absence. But keep an eye on Davis at that tight end spot in the air raid. And then in the offensive line, Vandy grad transfer offensive lineman Jared Southers looked to be the best offensive lineman in the spring and will surely help bolster that group and ease the loss of two starters, which includes all ACC offensive guard Parker Braun, who transferred to Texas BIP. So they're going to put the ball up a lot, um, but they're probably going to have their growing pains doing it, especially when they go in against the likes of some of those uh, pretty tough Atlantic defenses like Syracuse and like Clemson and other teams that they'll face this season. Yeah. And not, not many questions that I have uh, for Georgia tech this year, outside of the obvious, what does their offense look like uh, in the transition um, from last year to this year is, is anytime that you move away from the triple option, there's going to be some headaches. There's going to be some struggles and you're going to be fitting a yeah. lot of, uh, uh, square pegs and round holes in regards to the personnel that you had compared to what you're trying to run in the upcoming season. Right. And I will say, you know, the, the, the bright side of that is it's easier to transition from the triple option to an air raid yes. <laughs> as opposed to going from an air raid to a triple option. Right. So um, tech fans do have that to look forward True. to. Um, on the defensive side, new defensive coordinator Andrew Thacker, who comes over from Temple with uh, Collins, is going to move him back to a 4-3 look up front. And this group showed some growing pains as they adjusted to the new defensive playbook and worked more on becoming a unit. So D-line is extremely thin. Anybody who played last year has moved on in some way. Um, Redshirt freshman Caleb Ryans, uh, who's a walk-on, had three sacks in the spring game. So he was kind of the, the bright spot on that defensive line. But if you're relying on a walk-on redshirt freshman to be your top defensive lineman, that might pose some headaches going into the season. Um, redshirt freshman outside linebacker Jordan Dominic added two quarterback destructions himself. Um, they had to move one of their former offensive linemen, Jahaziel Lee, over to the defensive line, but he's been asking for this uh, the last couple of years, according to reports. Um, and he's one of several players who's been experimenting on a different side of the ball to help with depth. But like we said, Lee is ecstatic about it. And after logging minimal time at offensive line last year, um, looking to make a name for himself on the defensive front and probably will earn himself a starting spot uh, in week one. 
Inside linebacker David Curry moved around well this spring and led the team in tackles in the spring game. He'll be their leader on that defense at the linebacker spot. Uh, but the secondary is going to be the best part of the Georgia Tech um, stop unit. So free free safety slash kick returner slash punt returner, Wanye Thomas, a freshman All-American last year, could see time in all three phases of the of the Georgia Tech football game as, um, you know, he's going to be a starter at free safety. He's playing on special teams. And don't be surprised if you see him um, maybe in a receiver role in offense this year. That's starting to be a trend we're starting to see um, experimented with and utilized more in, in and around the college landscape this, uh, this season bit. Um, he did return two kickoffs for touchdowns last season and was an increasingly productive cover guy in the secondary. And he certainly doesn't lack for swagger either, which is something that you need as a, as a defensive back. Um, the uh, joining Thomas in the secondary that should be pretty good is cornerback Trey Swilling and free safety Caleb Oliver leading the way. Um, and signs of depth on the Georgia Tech squad are looking better as well. So um, I don't expect a whole lot from Georgia Tech this season. I, I would be hard-pressed to see them making a bowl game. But um, if, if Yellow Jacket fans have something to cheer about, it's certainly a high level of optimism and confidence from Jeff Collins. He's not one of those guys that's coming in saying, well, we're going to do the best that we can, and it's going to be a process. You know, um, He's kind of coming in, and he's blazing the new trail. And I think I get the impression that he's kind of rubbing opposing coaches and maybe some opposing fans the wrong way, but that's really the gusto you want to have when you're going into a situation like they have at Georgia Tech where they really haven't competed – consistently. I mean, Paul Johnson had a couple pretty good teams at Georgia Tech, and that's a tall order to follow if you're Jeff Collins, but they haven't necessarily been an exciting team to watch um, if you're a, if you're a Tech fan. So this is going to give them a little bit more to cheer about, but um, wait until 2020 to really start uh, bringing out your enthusiasm, Jacket fans. Yeah, that secondary, I'll be um, curious to watch not only this year, but also the year after as uh, most of their key contributors are going to be either sophomores or juniors this year. Uh, you yep. covered a, a couple of them, uh, Trace Willing, Tariq Carpenter, Zamari Walton, Caleb Oliver. So uh, like you mentioned, that should be the, the strength of this defense as um, the defensive line is going to be a complete mystery going into the season. But, uh, you know, Jeff Collins, obviously defensive-minded coach, uh, did a heck of a job at Temple. Uh, so Georgia Tech will be one of those teams that should be pretty relatively easy to root for, uh, considering the fact of, uh, you know, coming over from the triple option. Uh, Jeff Collins seems like a, a good guy to, to root for. So they'll be one of my uh, not sleeper teams in regards to uh, success this upcoming year, but a team that I'm going to keep my eye on for sure. Right. Oh, yeah. Um, certainly you want to keep your pulse on this team because there's a lot that's uh, that's getting started there. Okay, Chappie. Well, I'm going to finish off my last team of the ACC, and then we'll get into a bonus team shortly after that. So let's uh, kick things off with the Louisville Cardinals. Now, new head coach Scott Satterfield did away with the team's annual spring game, uh, and instead they just kind of had a, a scrimmage that uh, I'm not certain if it was open to the public or just kind of a scrimmage, but uh, that was one thing of note. So within the spring uh, quarterback, they had a, a three quarterback competition, but Satterfield specifically called out Jawan Pass as having a good spring. Uh, he was their their starter for most of last year. Didn't have a great season, but then again, which Cardinal player did have a good year last year <laughs> um, at tight end? That's where they had a lot of question marks entering the spring as they entered the spring with only one scholarship tight end on the roster. Uh, which was Texas A&M transfer Jordan Davis, who's made a ton of progress since joining the Cardinals. Um, 
in addition to him, one of the three walk-on tight ends that they had, Marshawn Ford, is said to have also had uh, made a lot of progress and turned some heads in the spring. Now, these two are expected to be the one-two on the depth chart and are joined soon by Vanderbilt grad transfer Ian Pfeiffer and freshman Des Melton to give them a lot more depth in the fall than they had going into the spring. So we'll see what they have at that position. Uh, the offensive line is looking really thin for the Cardinals. They entered the spring with only eight offensive linemen on scholarship, including a true freshman. They received unfortunate news in the spring that they would decrease that uh, total of eight offensive linemen to seven after Wyatt Smock decided to walk away from football. So um, that's that's kind of the, the news and notes on the offensive side of the ball. Um, could be another long year offensively for Cardinals fans, uh, leaving them wondering uh, it, or making it seem like it's it was about 20 years ago since they had Lamar Jackson in that high-flying offense, Chappie. Right, and even um, even longer ago when they had Charlie Strong and they beat the Florida Gators in the uh, Sugar Bowl. So, <laughs> right. um, yeah, I'm interested to see, you know, uh, I, I personally think Puma Pass is a guy that um, would be my quarterback, but there's a lot of buzz around Malik Cunningham, um, his backup, who who proved to be a, um, you know, pretty athletic guy last year. But I think with Satterfield's type of offenses, it seems like Pass is going to be the guy that is going to fit better. Um you know, they've got some pretty good receivers. Uh, I, I, I like their offensive line better than they might look on paper. And so um, I think Louisville fans and, and especially Louisville players are going to have to give this time. It's going to take uh, a little bit of a process this year, but trust in Scott Satterfield. He's he's put a golden touch on wherever he's been. So offensively, I think they'll be OK. Yep. So on the defensive side of the ball, the Cardinals got the biggest boost of any defense in the country this year as they no longer have Brian Van Gorder calling the shots. So. Uh, outside of that, the defense was said to have shown much more aggressiveness and effort throughout the spring compared to last year. And while there wasn't uh, a whole ton uh, that I could find a report on the Cardinals as uh, uh, Coach uh, Satterfield said he isn't going to produce a depth chart until the fall, all signs kind of point uh, towards potential, Thanks, <laughs> potential improvement for the Cardinals. If they can get uh, past their, their lack of quality depth at, the, at some key positions um, both on the offensive and the defensive side of the ball. Um, we know that they were last in just about every uh, every category in the ACC on both sides of the ball last year, but they do have um, some decent returning uh, er, amount of returners on the defensive side of the ball. So it goes back to our question that we've been bringing up periodically, Chappie, is uh, poor returning play uh, with that experience that comes back with it better than no experience coming back. Um, right. So we'll see that uh, answer this year potentially. And uh, we'll see how good of a coach Scott Satterfield is in his first year, not to expect uh, a whole lot from Satterfield uh, to turn uh, this water into wine, uh, but we'll see what he's got. Yeah. And it's like, um, you know, sitting water that's been um in your backyard uh in the in the in the low ditch for the last uh, couple of weeks but um right. you know i mean all all kidding aside they they do have some talent i mean louisville has recruited well the last few years so the coverage's not empty especially defensively they really don't lose a lot right um but it's a matter of of transforming the system and, and as we saw there's a big culture change that needs to happen out in uh louisville not just within the fo- football program but that whole athletics department i mean there's a big big 
dark cloud around there. And so I, I give credit to Scott Satterfield for taking the leap of faith and going to this position. I think that, you know, there may have been other positions where he could have held out for. I honestly thought he was going to get the Carolina job. Um, but, you know, like I said, he's he's done great things in Boone, North Carolina. You know, he's he seemed to make good things happen wherever he goes. So hopefully for Cardinal fans, the same can ring true. But um, don't hold your breath for this for this 2019. Right. Though. So that brings me to my bonus team here, Chappie, and that's the Notre Dame Fighting Irish, the honorary member Your of the ACC. Team? What's that? <laughs> Your boner team, you mean? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Uh, so we'll just go right into it. Um, okay. So one of the biggest questions that uh, Irish fans had is their first look at Phil Jerkovic, uh in his first spring And to say that he was a little bit shaky in the spring game was an understatement as he's someone that he kind of has a a weird delivery and has had one since he came out of high school. So with this being his first spring on campus, he kind of showed some of that in the spring game of uh, maybe trying to be a little too cerebral uh, as he shows good arm strength, but his accuracy is not close to that of Ian Book. And his his ball is often wobbly, whereas compared to Ian Book's, it's usually a... uh, uh, tight spiral on every throw. Uh, he made a few good plays in the spring, and by and large, if Book gets injury, it gets injured this year. The Irish are going to be in trouble as uh, Dracovic is, you know, head and shoulders behind where Ian Book is. But uh, kind of gave uh, a glimpse of his athleticism and uh, showed a little bit of progress from last year to this year. Um, moving on to starting quarterback Ian Book, he looks sharp as usual as he completed all five of his passes on his opening drive, including one for a touchdown, finished the spring game 16 to 21 uh, for 220 yards and a touchdown pass. But more importantly for the Irish, Jafar Armstrong came on and was one of the most impressive guys in that spring game. He looks to be in the, the next in line and an underrated group of running backs at Notre Dame following CJ Procise, Josh Adams and Dexter Williams. He added some weight uh, without losing a step in the offseason. And while he's not as fast and explosive as Williams, uh, he's a much better receiving option, having converted from wide receiver, um, which he played uh, almost exclusively in high school. He finished the spring game with 85 yards rushing and 71 yards receiving. So he's primed, I think, for a huge season. And if the Irish are going to uh, repeat the success that they had last year, they're going to need him to not only um, – be effective running and receiving the ball, but need him to stay healthy this entire season. Uh, Helping him do so will be an offensive line that returns five players with multiple starts from 2018. Um, And one of those guys uh, that's going to be starting along the offensive line this year, didn't make a single start last year. And that's uh, expected starter at center, Jarrett Patterson with the injury to Trevor Ruland in the spring. Patterson was able to log time at center and looks to have taken the job uh, and coaches are really excited about him. He was talked about on multiple sites uh, from multiple sources as being maybe the player that impressed most throughout the spring. And uh, he was recruited to be a tackle. So when you have that kind of a body who can be that cerebral and move around as well at center, the Irish could have another really good uh, one along the, uh, the offensive line here for a few years to come Chappie. Yeah. So defensively, the Irish, um, their strength this year is obviously going to be along the uh, with their defensive ends as uh, Khalid Kareem and Julian Aquara are both potentially going to challenge for All-American selections uh, by the end of the season. Uh, Kareem came into the spring game, finished it with three sacks while Aquara had one and the Irish defense as a whole was credited with 15 sacks on the afternoon. Now, 
Stacks are plentiful in spring games due to quarterbacks not being able to be tackled, but this shouldn't surprise anyone as Notre Dame is one of the best group of pass rushers in the country. As in addition to yeah, Kareem and Aquara, Notre Dame has great depth at defensive end with Dalen Hayes and uh, Ade Ogundeji, uh, who could each enter the starting lineup for the Irish and not miss too much of a beat behind uh, Kareem and Aquara. The biggest question that Notre Dame has going into the season is at linebacker, and there wasn't a whole lot that was answered in the spring. Um, one of the linebackers that coaches really, really liked a lot is Drew White, who made the only start of his career last year against Navy, but was probably the defensive MVP of that game as he logged a ton of tackles. Uh, but he was knocked out for the majority of the spring with a shoulder injury. So that led them to um, a group of guys that are all vying for all three positions as last year's only returning starter, Asmar Bilal, probably has the lowest ceiling of the group but obviously has the most experience. So there's a lot of talk about guys like Shane Simon, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Jack Lamb, Bo Bauer, uh, in addition to Asmar Bilal, and then also seeing what they get from Drew White when he comes back from injury. But all three positions are still up for grabs, and we'll see what happens as we enter the fall um, and see what guys can, can take hold of those. In the secondary rounding out the Irish report here, uh, Houston Griffith, Griffith looks like he could be the number one contender to start opposite Troy pride as he had a better spring than he had in 2018, where he, towards the end of 2018, he kind of looked lost out there in the nickel spot, but uh, looks like the, um, the, op the opposite corner role could be more well-suited to his strengths. Um, and we know that the safeties are going to be a couple of the best uh, in the entire country. They, sh they continue to show not only great, uh, athleticism and uh, production in the spring, but also great leadership as uh, I, I predict that they're going to have one of the top three to five uh, safety tandems in the entire country going into 2019. So that's what we have yeah. on the Irish here. Uh, Chappie, any questions? Nope. Yeah, once again, you do a great job on your research, not with not only with all teams, but especially Notre Dame. So any of you on Twitter who have any Notre Dame questions, this is the guy to hit up at BFC BIP. Oh, well, thank you, sir. So, <laughs> <laughs> and you know my affinity for Alohi Gilman. I, I love that way that guy plays safety. And, um, you know, kind of glad that uh, Northwestern is not playing the Irish again this year just from a uh, – competitive standpoint um, because that Notre Dame D is, is going to look pretty darn good. Yeah. And something cool. He showed up on the, the cover of Lindy's uh, one of their football previews as, yeah. as you know, Ian book is littered all over the place and, and much ado, much credit to Ian book, but really cool to see uh, when a, a publication will go past just the star player and really get into some of the more valuable guys like Aloe Gilman, right. who, if you don't know who he is, folks, Make sure that you look at some tape of him as he is going to be one of the best safeties in the country this year. Heavy hitter, uh, always around the ball. So um, pretty cool. Pretty cool for him. I was going to say, yeah, you'll know who he is real quick if your team <laughs> plays the Irish. Right. So so um, that's the ACC BIP. Uh, so we're now almost all caught up on the Power Five. Only one conference to go. The Pac-12 coming up next week, but still so much more work for all these teams to do in preparation for opening weekend, which for the ACC's Miami Hurricanes comes sooner than 126 other teams as they open on August 24th against the Florida Gators on ESPN at 7 o'clock p.m. Eastern time. Um, so you heard us here, but if you haven't done so yet, sign up and listen to the newest cast as they upload right to your device. We're on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Stitcher, a lot of them. So make it easy for you. Subscribe through one of those platforms and have the good stuff brought right to you. 
Um, and please share and spread the good word to continue to make a bowl full of chips, the best growing college football podcast out there. That's it for us tonight. But as you know, at BFC, we never rest. Keep up with us on Twitter, Facebook, and our website as the world of college football continues to turn. I am Chappie. And I am Bip. And together we thank you and look forward to next time when we finalize our spring reports as we fly out west to paint the landscape of the Pac-12 conference. The season is a mere months away, and while the magazines are hitting the shelves, there's really just one source to be up to date on what to expect for college football knowledge, and that's here with us on a bowl full of chips. So for my co-host Bip, I'm Chappie, and remember, BFC is the name of the game for college football fame. Have yourself a memorable week. We know you'll be back, and we'll see you then.